You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Welcome. Back to the Legends Lounge. I'm Trill Withers, and with me today, we have former Washington Husky. He was a three-time All-Star, as well as two-time six-man of the year with the Indiana Pacers and Seattle Supersonics. He's also a FIBA Hall of Famer and a renowned actor. We've got Detlef Shrimp with us. Detlef, thank you for, uh, for joining us in the lounge. Oh, thanks, Tyler. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course, of course. Uh, jumping right in, I, I like to ask, what was your welcome to the NBA moment? <laughs> well, welcome to the NBA moment. Actually, it was uh, uh, the one I remember the most is probably first preseason game where I got to play against Dr. J. We played Philly, yeah. and uh, you know I didn't really grow up with NBA basketball, so when I was in college my last couple of years, I saw a little bit of it, and and, um, you know, Dr. J was one of the guys I admired on and off the court. Um, so I, I got to play him. I got started against him. And, you know, about three, four minutes into the game, um, they run a fast break, and I'm sprinting next to him, and Mo Cheek is throwing the ball kind of from half court up at the rim somewhere. And I'm going, you know, what is he doing here? Because this is going to go way over. Yeah. And I've got to jump, and the ball keeps going up, and Doc grabs it, and, kind of dunks it right behind me <laughs> and uh and moses malone said a couple funny things like uh, welcome to the league white boy or something like that <laughs> so it, was, it was pretty funny and uh and then uh that was like you know okay i'm here and then the next uh, start of the second half um we had a little slip play and i, I, I literally uh, slipped on a pick and roll and got a pass and i, I dunked it left-handed and doc tried to block it and I hit him right in the head with a ball, and, uh, and again, I, you know, Doc didn't say anything. I didn't say anything, but Moses Malone ran down the court and go, oh, Doc, you got dunked on him, and something like that, and you know, and I was like, okay, and uh, he said, white boy to play, and I go, okay, I guess I belong here, so that's that's kind of, was my first game, so it was it was kind of fun. I would say, yeah, that's pretty good. It, uh, it could go a lot worse. Uh for, for for your first game against Dr. J, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. So when, so when do you? When's the first time you felt like you belong? Like just in, it can be either on the court, or like off the court. When's the first time you felt like you belong in the NBA? Well, I think every day in practice, you know, when you start out, I mean, you come out of college and you, you know, you think you're hot stuff, you're an all American, and you come into pros, and then everyone is pretty good. But, uh, you know, I thought I did okay out my own. Um, but then, you know, um, I went to a veteran team and all of a sudden the season starts and I was playing in preseason and then the season starts and I'm barely playing. And, uh, you know, so that was kind of where first you're thinking, well, you know, I think I'm going to get quite a few minutes. And then the uh, season starts and you're kind of playing maybe every other game, playing 20 minutes, playing five minutes. And that that was a shocker. Definitely. So what... 
I guess what was the toughest part of that transition? Because like you mentioned, you were All-American in college, top 10 pick in the NBA. But for, you know, you came in and for, for several seasons, teams utilized you off the bench. So what was the toughest part of that transition? Well, you know, for me, one was physical. Um, you know, I was I was always pretty skinny. And coming to the league, it was, you know, back in those days, it was a little bit more physical. Than oh, yeah. So... Uh, I had to adjust, even though I was probably one of the only guys in college that lifted weights, I had to adjust and, and really put on some weight and get stronger. Um, and then just a confidence standpoint, right? Yeah, I think when you come in and you take a kind of hit to your to your ego, you know, uh, well, shoot, maybe I'm not playing, maybe I'm not one of the best guys. Uh, you you got to kind of grind it out and, and, and fight back. And it, it took me a little while, but... Um, you know, eventually I got my confidence and, and my playing up to par where I felt, you know, I was all-star level and not belonged. Hmm. Now, you mentioned, you said you were one of the uh, few players lifting weights in college. How, like, was that something you, like, always did in high school? Like, how did you get on that? And why why was nobody else lifting weights? It feels like a... Yeah, yeah, it was... Uh, actually started when I was in Germany. I had a, I had a coach of my, uh, before I came over, who was very... In advanced kind of in his in his training, um, uh, okay. you know, he was basically thinking that we have to do plyometrics, which you know back then nobody had heard of. Right. We did a lot of you know not heavy weights, but a lot of plyometrics, jump training, and uh, body weights, and and you know and explosion stuff. And then I came to high school here, and uh, and you know for a year, and did a little bit, and but mostly like uh, heavy weights. You know, it was kind of the American way, kind of football training stuff. And then when I went to college, we had a you know great co a strength coach, and again I was pretty skinny, so I was in the weight room all the time, uh, trying to put more weight on, and I, and I did during college, um, and I just enjoyed it. Uh, but then when I got drafted by Dallas, I went there, and I, I'm, I'm drafted to an NBA team that didn't even have a, a strength coach, uh, didn't even have a weight room, they didn't even have a weight room. You know, and nobody lifted weights, and uh, I was really surprised. So I ended up going to the Dallas Athletic Club at a time, and I have to practice to lift weights uh, because, you know, I felt like I needed to, you know, get stronger. So were you, was it like you by yourself? Was it like you and a few teammates? Did the whole team go, or? Because that's no. kind of like we see now, really you know, what teams have. She, she was working out, and so I'll meet her over there, and uh I get some weights in and shoot around a little bit or something. But, uh, yeah, you had to do a lot of things on your own back in those days. <laughs> wow. So when you're shooting around, is this just you, you know, shooting around solo or are you getting in some, you know, some some pickup run or what? Yeah, I did. I had, I had a bad habit of playing everywhere all the time. So I, <laughs> I play with a lunch crowd. I play with kids. I play. I played all the time. So I just I love I love to just, you know, be out there and uh, and working on some different things. Did teams ever discourage you or, like, tell you not to, you know, put into your contract or, you know, say, you know, don't do that, you get hurt? Or... Uh, well, in college, my college coach tried to ban me uh, from playing <laughs> in the intramural leagues and, uh, and, you know, before practice and after practice on weekends because um, uh, I sprained my ankle a couple of times pretty bad. Um, but, um, yeah. Didn't 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 happen. So uh, in the pros, I think my first couple of years where I did that, uh, you know, I felt like I wasn't getting enough run in, so I had to play elsewhere. Right. Um, and you know, I don't think anybody really knew or cared. 
Uh, and later on, you know, once I was playing over 30 minutes a game, I just didn't have the, the time or energy to, to find, you know, games to play in. But still in the summertime, we still did, we played everywhere. Right. So how did you end up, you know, coming over from Germany? I think you, said you did one year in high school in Washington. Yeah. How did you, why Washington? How did you end up in Washington? Um, it was my backup, you know, which in hindsight turned out really, really well. Um, I was <laughs> yeah. supposed to go to Hey, I was supposed to go to L.A. Uh, the club team I played on had a couple um, UCLA grads uh, played on that at one championships with Bill Walton. Mm. So they were, uh, I call them beach boys, you know, that back in those days, that the long blonde hair with, mm -hmm. with the headbands. And they were going to hook me up with a school in L.A., and, but they just would never give me a contact. So, mm. <laughs> so my backup was uh, another player had gone to the school here in the state of Washington. And he goes, here's the coach's, you know, name and address. Mm -hmm. And I wrote him a letter. And literally two weeks later, I, my, all my applications for a student visa uh, kind of approved. So I just wow. ended up going there. Yeah. So what was it like a transition like? Um, well, you know, I was 16 years old in Germany, considered an adult. Um, mm -hmm. I could go to a bar and have a beer. Um, and then you come here and you're a, you know, you're a high school kid and, uh, and I was, you know, somewhat in a, not large city, but you know, I was, I was in a city and I went to a very small town, but I enjoyed it. I was in a family setting, um, you know, where my parents both worked when I left. So we were hardly ever at, you know, meals together because my practices were always at night. Um, so I got here and I was, you know, part of a family where everyone is sitting around dinner every night and mm. uh, so it was, it was enjoyable I really enjoy, you know enjoyed that part and uh, I played for a high school team that you know went undefeated and won the state championship so we had a lot of fun so you were in Washington for a couple of years in college go to Dallas for a couple of years you're getting comfortable get traded to Indiana have some success there then you're traded to Seattle so like what's that what's, what was that process like because you know you mentioned Starting off, you didn't feel like you were maybe getting enough run. And then it feels like you're finally getting into a groove. And then you have to, you know, uproot and change. And then uproot yeah. and change again. So what, talk me through that. Well, it's the NBA. And, you know, at the time, I, I didn't realize, um, you know, I was in Dallas. I, I came up an injury. Uh, and I was just starting to feel well. And I was playing well. And they traded, um, actually, Mark Aguirre, who played in front of me. All of a sudden, I was starting, and I was like, wow, you know, here it is. Finally got my, my chance, and uh, I was playing well, and, and uh, literally four games into it, uh, I got traded to Indiana out of the blue with no idea, you know, and uh, we on the road, and I never went back to my apartment again. You know, never saw yeah, How did you find that? Like, they just, did they just pull you into the locker room, or? Well, <laughs> this is a long story. <laughs> I, we got all day. <laughs> you do. <laughs> we uh, well, let's see. We uh, we played in San Antonio, uh, played well, and uh, we you know back then uh, I think we still flew commercial. I don't remember, but I think we flew to Denver the next day, and we flew through Dallas. Uh, you know, San Antonio, Dallas, Dallas, Denver, and the trainer was trying to have me stay in Dallas to check with the doctor to see how my ankle was doing because like I said I came off surgery that summer. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, I'm perfectly fine. I feel great. You know? right. 
So we get to Dallas, and again, back in those days, you travel most of the day to get there. And so they have like, you know, if you want to work out, there's a fitness center or something. Um, and I schedule, I, I like call down and I'm trying to get a haircut. And um, I'm about to go down and get a call from the trainer who says, uh, hey, the coach wants to see you. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I go up to the coach's room and he goes, well, I think we're doing you a favor. We just traded you. And I had no idea to, to where I went, you know, to where or for who at the time. And and I was like in shock. I was like, what? Yeah. I'm getting a haircut and what? And what? <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, I got traded um, to Indiana. So the next morning, I take the first flight out from Denver. And it, it was February. So Denver was actually pretty nice at the time, but you know, cool. Um, Flutus to Indiana, which had a ice storm going, was minus fifty with a wind chill. Oh, and uh, I, you know, on the way, I got a back then. It was the only really stuff you could read about the NBA was the USA Today. So I got a USA Today at the airport, and I look at it, and Dallas win the playoff run, you know, and Indiana is eleven and twenty-four. Yeah. <laughs> I go, whoa. <laughs> um, so I'm going to a team that had already booked their vacation, you know, April 25th. So, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's how I got to Indiana and never went back to my apartment. My wife um, packed everything up and she followed me there about a month or so later. Wow. Yeah. And then, how, I mean, was it similar for Seattle? Because I feel like it had to feel like deja vu to you. Like you're finally getting your footing there in Indiana. You're having some success. And yeah, then I think... Um, it was bittersweet because you know we we were we were just getting better in in mm -hmm. Indiana. We had a pretty young team. We were all kind of young and dumb, you know. Reggie Miller and Rick Smiths and mm -hmm. uh, Davis's uh, brother and not brothers, but the Davises, mm -hmm. Bobo, Antonio, and Dale. Um, you know, so we were just getting better and we were in the playoffs, you know, every year and and um, and we had just bought a house, you know. Uh, move closer to the practice area because I didn't want to be in the car that long. And right. we had two little babies, you know, and I uh, had a meeting that summer and they said, yeah, you and Reggie are going to be here forever. And <laughs> I get traded. Uh, let's see. I get traded after two days. We have two days. Wow. And during the day, I get calls from my agent saying, they might trade you today. And I go, what? And they're talking about Seattle probably. I said, well, they haven't told me anything. We have a 6 p.m. two a day, so the second practice, hard practice, you know, and nothing. Nobody acts like I'm getting traded. Go to the locker room, a couple of reporters come in and said, hey, have you heard anything? We hear you're getting traded. And wow. so none, none of the players are going home. We all sit in the locker room because it's two days before the first game. And um, nothing so now it's 9 nine fifteen. i said man let's just go home nothing is happening and mm. while we're walking out they grabbed me and said they want to see you downstairs wow <laughs> so i go downstairs and they literally tell me yeah we just traded you to seattle um and it'd be great for you to go back home right so actually, yeah, they, all, they always try to sell it uh, to you yeah i was, I was yeah. pissed because i literally was you know like I said we just bought a house there we put a pool in Right. You know, we thought we were going to be there. I was, I was pissed, and uh, I don't remember what I said. I just walked out, uh, told the guys. Um, a couple of guys came over to the house. Um, I packed. Um, I had a, 
I think a seven or so morning call a flight to Seattle. I never saw my house again. Um, you know, came here to Seattle and uh, my wife followed about a month later with, with the babies. And um, yeah, and that's, you know, that's NBA life. But, uh, you know, the good thing is we went back to Seattle, which, which is home, obviously, but it was another one of those shockers where, wow. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's how the NBA is. Yeah. How, how do you, I guess, how do you go forward with a new team? It's like, it's a good thing that, you know, Seattle, this team wants me, you know, I did, hopefully they have a role for me, but you're also, uh, you got to be a little bit, you know, like you said, a little pissed, you know, you were just getting your footing. You just, you know, had a family and put a pool in the house. How do you go from, you know, not taking that anger into your new team? Well, I mean, I, I think it was easy because one is, you know, they said that, you know, they got me as the missing piece to to win a championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I came off an all-star season, so I, I had the confidence, um, you know, thinking or, or not thinking like maybe before where, well, this team doesn't want me. They're trying to get rid right. of me. Yeah. It was more like somebody else wants me more. Um, you know, plus Indiana made the, the media PR push of, you know, he's gotten too good. We can't afford to pay him. Um, so, <clears throat> which again is BS, but um, <laughs> right. at the time I was like, okay, well, at least we're in Seattle. Uh, right. And we're on a really good team. And then, you know, um, I got in, I shoot a shot around with the, with the coaches, just, you know, sat down, talked about some basic plays and mm-hmm. started the next day. And we, we won the first 10 games. And uh, wow. so... When you go ten and zero, uh, you know you forget a lot of things. So yeah, uh, that's a yeah, yeah. So winning cures a lot of issues. <laughs> that, I feel like that's what we hear. It's like, is it the the winning breeds chemistry or chemistry breeds winning? So which yeah. one? You, you think the winning breeds chemistry? No, I think chemistry really? breeds winning, really? and really? everything else is a lot easier. Um, mm-hmm. Without you know chemistry, you know you might win a few games. You can't win much. Right. Okay, so we hear a lot about like the team flights building chemistry. What do you remember about team flight? Or do you have any like memorable team flights? Or <laughs> I don't know anything about that. <laughs> yeah, you uh, <laughs> you never saw anything. No uh, card games get out of hand. You never saw anything like that. Oh yeah, I've seen card games. You know, I'm not much. I play, uh, you know, but I'm not much of a gambler. Um, yeah, yeah, I might lose a few bucks, but when guys play for cars, it's a different deal. And, uh, right. and uh, I've seen stuff where guys apparently lost cars and got pissed off and things like that. Um, yeah, that's just, that's just a little over the top for me. Yeah, I mean, were those were those settled? Like, did those? Did, do you know if those cars were ever paid over? I don't know. I didn't follow up, but I know it created a lot of um, anger and bitterness. <laughs> you know and and but you know, guys that they are guys that can afford it to lose a nice car, right? But they're guys that can. It's usually guys that are trying to fit in and, and you know play the part and be part of the group that end up right. losing something that they can't lose, and, uh, right. and then it creates a lot of I think tension within the team. And it's not just playing cards; it's it's going over the top, attacking each other personally or or whatever. And yeah, I've been part of teams really that do that. Hmm. So I guess, no, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Except maybe for Portland. 
what what was the difference with Portland? Um, yeah, there were a lot of things going wrong at the end that uh, were not pretty. Where you know, guys, coaches, uh, it was it was not a good culture, and uh, it showed on the court. Mm. So, what makes for a good like a good culture, for like a good city? What makes for like a like, is it the nightlife or the is it only like the team and winning? Is it only the like the weather and the women? Like what 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 goes into that for a player? Uh, well, I mean, I think everyone has kind of their own, you know, uh, mm. priorities. What what makes makes it work for them? Uh, I think the the team culture uh, makes so many things enjoyable or not. Um, you know, coming to practice every day where you get excited to hang out and compete against your teammates and. And you know, talk to the coaches, and you have the equipment manager getting stuff, and the trainer helping you out, and the strength coach encouraging you to do something. You know, when you have that culture where you want to be there, um, it, it just creates you know, it creates chemistry, it creates something where it, it, you know it's conducive to winning. It just helps you along the way. Right. And if you if a few pieces are missing, uh, or a few guys are not buying into it, then you got some issues. Um, and again, I've you know saw some of that on some teams, but I was fortunate to be on a lot of very good teams that had, had good culture and they were all about winning and and, and having a good time at the same time. I, you, know, the I bit, you know, say I'm excited to be in this city because there's good nightlife or there's good right. this. But I, I enjoy being in some warm weather cities, of course, <laughs> because you know if you're in Indiana. Uh, you you enjoy to go somewhere warm, or if you're in Seattle when it was gray and raining, it was nice right. to see the sun. Uh, have a good meal, and and you know, and, and maybe um, maybe see a show on the road or whatever. But there was not much else. Mm-hmm. So, who who would you say was the best culture that you were part of? The best culture, um, you know, I think we had a pretty good culture in Indiana um, the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, we were in the playoffs, but we just had a young core group, and you know, we had Christmas parties together and New Year's Eve parties together and, and stuff like this. We go to movies on the road. You know, it was a pretty young team. It was good. Uh, Seattle took a couple of years. I think those middle years where uh, we're deep in the playoffs, going to the finals, um, we had a pretty good culture. And then at the end, obviously, uh, they made some traders trades and change that again and then you know it kind of fell apart for Seattle for a while mm-hmm. um, so it's uh, yeah you know it's part of a good stretch I think early on and with the Mavericks it was just a different you know different era and uh, okay. it was more guys kind of doing their own thing against other guys right uh, it was not much of a team team atmosphere it's more individuals yeah or small groups you know two three guys here two three guys there right right now, uh, switching gears a little bit, I, I did mention, you know, your acting chops. Like, you've been in <laughs> commercials. I read you were in a, a German soap opera, uh, Married with Children, Parks and Recreation. I'm sure I'm missing something. But, like, how, how did that, how did those come about? I don't remember any of them, but Park and Rec, really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did some commercials, obviously, for my sponsors for Adidas. Sure. <laughs> a couple other things like that. A few retired players, I think, do some IBM commercials, mm-hmm. and those were fun. Uh, Park and Rec just came up because, um, you know, 
Pawnee is supposedly a city in Indiana, mm -hmm. and um, and they were doing a telephone at the end of their first season, uh, the season finale, and they were worried about not getting picked up for the next season, so they wanted to do something weird, and they wanted a pacer to be part of it. Um, but it was during the season, so then they go, well, how about an ex-pacer that does something with charity? Uh, and I think they just looked me up online, saw that I had a foundation, and reached out, and and that's how I ended up going. And and there, my you know, my executive director was like, "Well, you want to do this?" I go, "For what?" You know, to be on a TV show. And I go, "They pay you." And then I go, "What they pay you?" I go, "I'm not going there for that," you know. Right. And then we go, "Well, how can we use this?" And you know, this is a while back. Uh, I think it would have helped a lot this you know this time now with social media. Right. But we basically said, "Hey, if you." Um, Show me and, and and with a big check from you know the Detlef Schramm Foundation, don't making a donation and say that and like Amy Poehler or somebody has to say Detlef Schramm Foundation. Okay. And they go okay, so I go and you know it's like two or three days, fourteen hour days, you know, for a few seconds here and there. Yeah. And then they kept adding more scenes in. I was not really supposed <laughs> to do anything, and they have all. They didn't run them by you first. They would just. Yeah, they were just adding stuff and going. Now I'm, you know, now I'm coming in. I'm, I'm in some, you know, in a car. Always oh, being so funny if you're in a really small car with, you know, and so they're adding all this stuff and uh, it, was, it was kind of goofy and funny. So I enjoyed it, and then they did the same thing on the next two season finales. They brought me back for a couple more episodes, and uh, and it was it was it was interesting. It's a, it's a different world, but uh, yeah, I didn't get any calls. I don't have any talent. <laughs> oh, that's not true. Also, see, so so there's no acting in your future. We're not going to hear or, or, or see anything and um, see you pop up in the movies or shows. Or... I don't think so. Uh, I, and the Roy <laughs> Hibbert was uh, in the last one I was in. Roy Hibbert was in it too, and <laughs> and he was. I think he was. He got traded. I was getting traded to L.A. or something. And he was like, "Man, I really, I really want to get into acting." And I got, dude, man, look in the mirror. Who's going to hire a seven one and a six ten guy as an actors? Do you see all these other people? They're all like five six. So unless we do like you know a Star Wars or you're like a villain and something, yeah. Well, you're not going to get a. You're not going to be playing a Roy that you know the romantic. Uh, you know, role. yeah, a leading uh, actor Roy Hibbert uh, yeah, action yeah. figure. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I I know uh, I know my limitations. <laughs> okay. That you uh, mentioned the foundation, uh, and I see your your shirt. Can you tell us about uh, Erase the Hate? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, obviously, I had a foundation for twenty five years, and we closed that uh, end of two thousand nineteen. Um, you know, raised uh, a lot of money uh, for charities, mostly in the Northwest, supporting families and children in need. And mm. uh, you know, after twenty five years, your your kids age out, your staff. Yeah gets older, people retire, and, and we were kind of at that point where, okay, you know, we, we put in our run, let's hand it off to Russell Wilson and the local mm -hmm. new guys and the younger guys that, you know, have a huge impact in our community. Right. Um, then, you know, obviously, with what happened with George Floyd, I, I thought, you know, how can I use my platform to have a positive impact and drive change? And, um, <clears throat> and I can't really you know, be the face or the voice of it, you know, obviously, um, but I can definitely support. So I got a few guys together, like Jamal Crawford, Isaiah Thomas, um, mm -hmm. Bill Russell, you know, local Seattle guys, uh, Alicia Clark from The Storm, and just said, hey, this is what I'm thinking. I'm going to try it <clears throat> to raise some money, create awareness, 
and support, you know, um, organizations that really fight for social justice and, and racial equality. Um, and so that's how it got started. And then uh, the Erase the Hate came up with the, the, this logo here, that's what you see. Mm -hmm. it, uh, and this is crazy. This is a logo our babysitters came up with uh, after the LA riots, you know, in uh, the 90s. So we've had t-shirts like this since the 90s. And here we are 25 plus years later and still doing the same thing and still talking about the same thing, right? Yeah. And even, you know, my point was I've been always supportive and, 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 and trying to help, but I was never outspoken about it or active. Um, so I say, you know, you got to stand for something. You got you to gotta take a position and, uh, and you got to speak up, uh, whether it's at home, at work, or in, in public. And if you don't, you're just a bystander. So that's, mm -hmm. that's where I am. Definitely. Well, I'm, I'm thankful. And I know that a lot of the people, the families that you've helped uh, across the country, especially in the Northwest, are definitely appreciative of you mm -hmm. and, you know, others like you using your voice and your 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 campaign that way. So we're definitely thankful for that. Thanks. Sure. A uh, couple questions uh, won't keep you too much longer. I'd like to ask, what uh, or do you remember a time or a younger player that made you realize that your your time was coming to an end? <laughs> uh, no, you know, I was. I mean, obviously, when you get, I played till I was thirty eight. Um, mm. And I never thought every year was like, you know, I feel pretty good. I'm right. competing, I'm starting, I'm putting up numbers. Mm -hmm. I have some moments, you know, maybe the, the tough days are more often than they used to be. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I felt pretty good. I thought I kept myself in pretty good shape. Um, I love the, the game. I love to compete and play and, you know, work on it. Um, you know, to me, it's like, what an easy career. You know, right. you basically, your job is to to work out. I mean, right. you get up, you work out, you, around, you compete, you know? Um, so I love that. Um, but after Portland, um, I was in an age where I didn't want to move again. Uh, right. Our kids were enrolling school. Um, you know, I was gonna, if I, if I was gonna sign somewhere, I was gonna be sitting on the bench supporting Right. You know, a, a team and maybe hoping to win a championship and that was kind of the reason I went to Portland mm. um, and I didn't want to take another chance and and sit somewhere you know for a year or so um, right. and you know I had a pretty good run but mm. you know a year later I thought God I should have played two more years right <laughs> once you're done you're done <laughs> hey. well I mean you could listen it's still time you uh, get any jumpers yeah <laughs> I, I can't I can't get off the ground anymore <laughs> I, it, you just play a ground bound game is what we call it. We don't say you can't jump in. We just say you play a ground bound yeah. game. Well done. Yeah. A uh, couple more. Uh, we'll let you out of here. Uh, do you remember how much your first NBA paycheck was? Oh, um, the bi-monthly? Uh, no, but I think I made 200 grand my first year. Okay. Do you remember, What was the first thing you bought for you? For me? Um we bought ourselves. We thought we were so hot. We bought a Jeep Cherokee. Okay. Uh, it was our first car. We needed a car. We didn't have a car. So we bought a Jeep Cherokee and it was, it was actually red because that was like, they got a deal on it. Okay. And I don't know how it was, you know, 20 some thousand dollars, you know? So <laughs> that was a big purchase. Um, Definitely. 
Yeah, and then we bought a house literally eight months later, made a down payment, a small down payment, and started a mortgage to, you know, to invest in, in, a, in a house. So this is in uh, Dallas. We didn't really buy anything else. We, we thought that was a lot of money, but not enough to <laughs> buy anything fancy. Right. This is in Dallas? Or yes. Is in Dallas, yeah. We bought a house back here, though. We, we bought a house here uh, in, in, in a neighborhood up here in Seattle because we thought that's going to be our, you know, probably long-term home at the time. Definitely. Yeah. And one last question. What is something that Debt Left Now would tell Debt Left at 21 years old? Oh, man. You got a whole book? (laughs) (laughs) A a couple of the things that you would tell. Yeah. You know, never been much of a guy with patience. So to me, it was like everything had to happen quickly. and I, you know, I obviously had a temper too. So if it didn't, I was, I was angry. Um, and I think, you know, maturing and getting older, um, you realize a lot of things and, and having kids, you realize a lot of things. Um, but, uh, it's just always like the, you know, take a breath and, and, and wait it out for a second before you react. Um, that's probably would have been my first one because I did, like I said, I had a tendency to blow up a little bit. Um, other than that, you know, there's so many, if you regret a lot of things you're not going to be very happy. I know I made a lot of mistakes, but I learned from them and, um, I'm, I'm pretty good where I am now. Hmm. Right. Dead left shrimp. Thank you so much for, for stopping by the lounge with us. Oh, I appreciate you having me, Tyler. Thanks so much. Of course. We'll talk to you soon, man. All right, man. Be well. You too. Thanks for stopping by the legends lounge. Brought to you by the National Basketball Retired Players Association. Give us a follow on Twitter at NBA Legends Lounge and be sure to subscribe and rate the Legends Lounge with me, True Withers, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.